Hey, Luke. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> what I say to my daughter in the morning when she's screaming at me. Because she's like, no, you can't be my father. No. <laughs> my father has much more hair than that. I swear. <laughs> I swear it's on the precious. He has direction. Direction. <laughs> Anything new? Anything new, exciting? Anything interesting? Uh, the carriers are sick, and that's been rough, but we're doing okay. I yeah. don't want to go too much into it just to respect my family's privacy. Oh, Luke, we don't have medical privacy today. Spill the beans <laughs> or you'll kill grandma. <laughs> okay, relax, LifeSite News. Um, <laughs> it's okay, MSNBC. Uh, no, listen, sorry that I just, you know, want people to be healthy. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know where I'm going with that. I just, here's the thing. Are we really don't stayed even. clear of the don't whole? Don't even. Don't <laughs> okay. even. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you do, I'll go right in the liturgy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> you want to start over? Hey, Luke, how are you? <laughs> uh, I'm still horny. Oh, get off me. <laughs> oh, gosh. You remember that scene? Yes, I do, a Billy Madison. That's uh, so funny. <laughs> I, had a okay, Billy, I had a Billy Madison joke today in my adult confirmation class. Um, I said, you know, it's it's always funny when I go to like places like Steubenville and I meet someone who has never worked in the church and they... They're all young and optimistic, and they're full of life, and they say, you know, I can't wait to be a parish-based youth minister, <laughs> and I just want to grab their faces and shake them and be like, stay in school for the rest of your life. <laughs> Cherish it. <laughs> I feel that way. I, have, I, am, I am in the doldrums, my friend. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm telling sorry. you, man. It is... There's so much soul crushing going on in my heart right now working for the church that yeah. I, I was literally thinking, I was like, okay, Lord, seriously, like, I don't want to become a hack. I don't want to become a fake. I don't want to be that church worker who's a church worker because he knows he can't get a job anywhere else. So I'm genuinely afraid of this stuff. And here's here's the other thing. This is this, These are my thoughts. Now, you can mm -hmm. help me out here or whatever. But my thoughts are well, like, I'm going to lead you astray. <laughs> I'd expect nothing less. Uh, Patreon.com slash see ya. We'll do it for you too. Um, <laughs> no, but I, uh, I, I've been so demoralized in certain areas of my life uh, with work, with the worky work. I've been so demoralized with it that it, um, it's leading me, number one, to be like, okay, like I need to get another job. Like I got to get out of this racket. Yeah. Because not because... I think it's not worthwhile, but because, like, there is this part. I mean, this is a CD, I guess. Like, you're fighting the good fight for so long, and you look around, and you're like, nothing has changed. I have been doing this, and it's the same people complaining. Mm -hmm. It's the same, you know, it's the same frustrations over and over and over again. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder, I wonder, like, would my life be better if I were completely out of ministry, not doing a paraministry thing, not working for some nonprofit, just completely out of it, doing my own thing? And I and I just think like maybe then I, I could enjoy my faith again for a little bit. Like I am really Father David was like, don't get discouraged. And I'm like, I am filled with discouragement. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been nice to hear that seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, but no, I am. Uh, I am. I'm just. You know, it's just one of those things where you just hear so much negativity for so long, and then you're like, you know what? I just, I just want to leave. Not the church, but like church work. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. T totally, totally. There's nothing wrong with being like upset, with being frustrated by it, or with. Or even, you know, kind of going, is this asking if it is worth it or if your time has come? What, um, when you have prayed about it, what has like the Lord, like what's on your heart? Uh, okay. So let me just say, it is, uh, it is very difficult to discern where I'm at because I'm having to deal with 
you know, my wider life stuff, you know? Yeah. So yep. I don't want it to be one of those things where it's like, you know, you make a decision in desolation, like, oh, you're going through a lot of pain and suffering. So quickly change something big about your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, what I was, that's where I was about to go with that, that you shouldn't be making any sort of call, any decision you, and I'm I'm going to jump ahead, but keep going. But I think this is a very important point yeah. that I want to, to bring up any choice that you were to make about this. We need to be independent of everything else that is going on, which is almost impossible to do, but it can be done. Keep going. Yeah. So when I sit here and think about what I'm doing, like I'm lucky because I have a class that I teach where people say things like, my faith has grown, you've changed my life. Like, you know, all the things you want to hear that the fruit that's like immediate in your ministry. Like when I mm-hmm. teach, I'm in my happy place. Everything else that surrounds church work. See, and this is the thing that, that ner- makes me nervous is when I'm doing my teaching stuff, it's me alone with a group of you know, somewhat disciple people, super apostles, you know, they're all over the place. Right. But when I'm not doing that and I'm with, so when it's not in control, so that's part of the problem, I bet. Um, mm-hmm. the, I get very frustrated with people in the church who one, it's the consumer mindset of laity. So I work to educate and form the laity on behalf of my pastor. That's the role. Mm-hmm. And the lady don't want to be formed. Just give me my effing sacrament and get the hell out of my way. And that attitude has yeah. gotten worse over the past, I would say, I'd say it's worse the last six months than it was two, you know, two years ago or a year and a half ago. Um, it, it's compounded. And so, um, mm-hmm. yep. So I think that's that's a big part of it. Like it used to be the like if I was annoyed with clergy, I go to the laity. If I'm annoyed with laity, I go to the clergy. You know, but now it's not that I'm annoyed with both, but like I'm not at rest with either across the board. And I think also a large part of this is dealing with Father James Jackson and his arrests. Like, Mm -hmm. so there's this part of me that's like it's there's a lot of sad stuff in my life. There's a lot of great stuff in my life. Um. But I just feel like there's this element of being trapped, mm. like I'm trapped. I'm sure it could be that I'm 39. Mm. I'm almost 40. Like, that might be like yeah, little Mr. Midlife Crisis. So I should just probably have an affair and get a Corvette, and I'd be fine. <laughs> Self-medication, always wrong, but so nice. But instead of a Corvette, you get a Pontiac. And instead of an affair, I get a porn addiction. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'll uh. retreat back into my cave, ladies. See you next fall. Yo lose. Yo lose. Yo lose. Yo lose. So this episode of Catching Foxes is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? If you are a fan of this podcast, it's odds are it's either A, your job, or B, a breakup. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. It's true. It's super fast. It's pretty awesome. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. I think that is one of my favorite parts of what BetterHelp offers, because if you're having, so you have like sex addiction or you're, or you're struggling with what else do people have addictions to you know um jeopardy they've got the right people who can help you with uh in in the right areas and i think that's very very cool this service is available for clients worldwide so all of our uk friends you guys are good you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist you'll get timely thoughtful responses plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy and i know all of our introverts on here love that better help is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they may Make it easy and free to change therapists if you need to. It's more affordable than traditional therapy and love this fact right here. Financial aid is available. BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Uh, I love this. It's over at BetterHelp.com slash slash reviews. But if you are ready to go, go to BetterHelp.com slash foxes. That's better H-E-L-P.com slash foxes and join over 2 million people. That is a lot. I mean, you know, not as many downloads 
to be had, but still, 2 million people is a lot who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Special offer for Catching Foxes listeners, that's you. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash foxes, and get 10% off your first month. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this here episode of Catching Foxes. When you first, you said something very important. Yeah. Way back when, when we were in college talking about ministry, you said something along the lines of, like, this is a calling, not a fun thing to go do. Where are you with that? I'm talking specifically parish ministry, not ministry in, in general. So do I still feel called to this ministry? I mean, all signs point to yes, Mm -hmm. right? Like I still feel called to it. I don't feel called to anything else. I just, I think I just feel discouraged and that makes me question the call. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's an invalid thing like that because like this, this kind of gets to a bigger question, which I don't know. I don't, I don't have a confident answer to this. I have my own experience and I've thought on it. Do calls end? Hmm. I think they do. Yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. I think they can. Yeah. And I, when I left young adults on the ministry, I believe I've talked about this before on the podcast. I know the exact moment, the exact moment when I was done. And I don't even know if I thought it through as well as maybe I should have. I, in hindsight, I know that at this point in time in my life, I'm definitely like I'm. I would not want to be the, the young adult minister now. There's just no way. There's just no way. I'm. I'm so beyond that. At that point in time, was I done? I, I don't really know if I could say that because I was. I mean, I, like I, I wasn't. Obviously, it took a while till I really felt done. But I feel like right now I'm just so beyond that that it's hard to even imagine going back to that. Yeah. Now, all that being said. I do think my time was coming to an end in that context. And I don't know, I don't really know like what God has next for me. I do think I was called to ministry for that period of time. I have no doubt about my calling, nor do I have any doubt that I am not called to it right now. But I don't know, like, and I don't think it's like a math where it's like, and then at this, you know, at 1202 on that Thursday, I was no longer called, you know, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. and I, and I, I, I don't think it's exactly how it works. I think for I wonder for you if perhaps this is a period where you need to start discerning, like, am I still called to this? Like, just figure that part out. Or is there – and I, it's, it's I, as much as you can, I would recommend that you do not – like, you still go hard and that, that discernment of am I still called to this be done either with a spiritual director because you're so in – your, your whole life is wrapped up in, in into it. So how do you even get out of it? I know, you know, you know, and I think it's true for. I mean, it's for your. I don't think it's as rare as like we think it is, but it still feels a little bit rare to have someone who's in it. You know, I mean, my gosh, you've been doing it for what, like, fifteen years now. Let alone anyone who's doing it longer than three. You know, so it's. Um, <laughs> I'm in too deep. <laughs> no, but like, but like, here's the thing: like, you're not. Like, you're really, really not. You're still relative, you know, you are not like your career is not even halfway done. You still oh, God, I got to do this for I, only halfway. <laughs> I'm not even halfway there. I got to keep you're, going. You're making it worse. You've, Luke. you've <laughs> got 25 to 30 years left. Mm, fire, 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 fire. <laughs> Financially yeah, independent, so. retire early. Financially independent, <laughs> retire early. <laughs> well, but everyone, like, I quit. Gormley, you can't retire yet. Oh, I can and I am. <laughs> I have a Vanguard IRA. I'm fine. What? See ya. <laughs> I taught class about it about, about a year ago. I'm fine. Yeah. I have $9,000 in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, man doesn't live by bread alone. Um, I like when I, when I chose the Glen Mary job, I was uh, choosing Glen Mary. Like hands down, there was there was nothing about it though. I mean, it it was very hard. I'm sure there was some stuff where it's like I'm choosing to leave the diocese, but I was definitely not. I'll tell you what I was not doing. I was not choosing to leave the people that I did ministry with or for. You weren't running away. No, 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 no. not not from them in the slightest. I think I was leaving ministry because I felt like I remember I felt like the people that were kind of the next step. They needed a person who just wasn't so 
I ardently believe that like your heart needs to be in it. And I don't mean that like everything is great, but I do mean you have to be like, I want to be here and not just every day be like, all of you <laughs> just like anytime i had a meeting with like people who were uh <laughs> in an area of the diocese not of cincinnati or the north or the east west or between cincinnati and let's say um moraine ohio <laughs> this little area uh where i may be from is where i tend to have that i that feeling the most <laughs> um I was like, oh, I shouldn't be in this role. This isn't fair to any of them, mm. you know. And I, and I, and I, that that was really like, like what it was. Was I just felt spent? And I, and why I bring up this whole thing about like, in the it it is unbiblical to walk away from a group and be like, I'm done with you. So I don't mean anything about this about saying anything, but the people of your church or your right. par- you know at your parish. Like I love everyone that I, that I have met on staff; they're awesome. I love Father David Hust, like I'm Father Tom. Like I I I know a lot of your parishioners now; they're all great. But there's an element there where you're just like, I can't deal with this anymore. Mm-hmm. It does like dusting off of your feet and walking away is absolutely a thing that you can do. And if you start, and if you feel like perhaps it's time to do that, or the, or at the very least, like the Lord has given you that that option, like, um, I I would just take that that to prayer because you're right. Like like people can be really brutal about this stuff, and there comes a point in time where it's like we are called to die to ourselves, we are uh, called um, to, to suffer, but we're not missionaries. Mm-hmm. Like we're not. And I mean, I, I, you know what I mean by this? Like, doesn't it feel weird saying that out loud, though? Like, well, I mean, we are missionaries, cross cultural missionaries. Like, we're, uh, <laughs> but it's like, well, I am just a lay employee at a parish. I'm not, uh, uh, you know, someone who has joined a missionary organization. Well, I mean, it is a mission. <laughs> you know, like you keep. And, well, it's, there's so many things I, I, I kind of pull back on the mm-hmm. argument, even when I understand. I understand what you're saying, like. You know, it's like getting shot at, and you're like, oh, "I'm not a soldier. Why am I getting shot at?" You know, exactly. Like, no, exactly. Like, yeah. like you're not called to die on this hill. Like, you're just not. And if you were a missionary called to do that, then I'd be like, "Dude, this is part of it." Mm-hmm. Like, you're not in the servants who go and do this in these amazing, uh, these amazing like acts of you know whatever. You're not a Jesuit. You're not a Franciscan. You're not like you're a Gormley. And you're, you're my little Gormley. No, I'm your little Gormley. I'm your little <laughs> but, Gormley. But, like, you're not called – and, I mean, like, is it is it hurting your vocation? Is it hurting your marriage? Is no. it hurting, like, you as a father? No. It's not. Those things are good. Those things are held intact uh, okay. by okay. the uh, by the ardent love of um, – just by what an amazing husband and father I am. No, that's fair. I that's, hold it. That's it, fair. The great chains of my heart wrap around – those I love and refuse to let parish work touch them. Get your damn hands off my children. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I mean, my daughter loves youth group. My son's going through First Holy Communion right now. It's so cool to see and be a part of that. It's, yeah, I, I, yeah. Hmm. But it's still soul crushing. <laughs> no, it's like there's well, no, these things it, that I'm just sitting here like, this doesn't happen anywhere else. Why do people act like this? Okay. Why are you I, doing this? This doesn't happen anywhere else. Why? <laughs> That's not true. But I know what you mean and you're not wrong either. Well, okay. Okay. Let me give you for instance. Let me give you for instance. Hey, uh, be as vague as you can. I'm, we haven't bought that insurance yet. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm trying to generalize <laughs> so that other people can sympathize. Uh, people at work. Same interests, same hobbies, strike up a conversation, get to know them. Hey, let's be personal. Let's have conversations. Let's be human to each other. We don't have to be best friends, but we can have great conversations, right? That's, that's normal to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the inability for certain types of people to, how do I put this nicely, uh, to to be that kind of friendly with people who they share 98% of their life with. Like they just can't like be human to other people. 
Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I see how it kills them. And I'm just like, a, you guys have the whole universe in common. You're like, you're like, you're like a 2% personality difference. Why can't we love each other? Like, why can't we just connect these? Why can't you do what, what I do when I go into a grocery store and see someone with a, a band t-shirt that I can sip? Oh, you, you like, you listen to Nirvana? Look, now we're having a conversation. We're being human. Hello, a 13-year-old girl who got that at some store. I Do you enjoy their unplugged album as much as I do? <laughs> Nothing on top but a bucket and a mop. Oh, dear God, why are you crying, little girl? Yeah. So, no, I mean, like, you Benny know what I mean? Like, <laughs> There are these elements in normal human interactions that you have to go maybe this much out of your way in order to foster a connection. And yet it seems like some people are incapable of doing it. And it really bothers me because it shows it shows. All right. I'm going to ask you, this is going to, mm, hmm, this might be kind of tough. So if you want to navigate away from this or include this as part of the edit for the Patreon only, that's fine. Is it the culture of like your parish? It's not the culture of my parish. It's the culture of a lot of places. Uh, I don't know. Perhaps we all just go and work for Joey. Oh, um, gosh. And let me tell you. Let me tell you. If I can figure out a way to talk my way into doing something for a bar, I will do that 10 times out of 10. <laughs> Could you imagine if we were like, if we were just ran a bar? <sighs> Could you imagine? Yeah, it's called Coyote Handsome. <laughs> <laughs> and I will dance on top of everything in that place. And I'm just drinking, telling people about sports. They're like, sir, I want to drink. Shut <laughs> the u.s men's national team is on television yes it's a replay of an older game but this is I important to me i have a scarf and when i'm in the car sometimes i on youtube i will play old calls because it makes me excited i get choked up oh gosh you're so broken <laughs> London Donovan. okay so, so anyways um i'll, no, I don't I'll share know. with I'm you just, the audio clip yeah i'm just no, no. A dis- i'm a despondent male who is very happy with his life in so many different ways. I love my job in so many different ways. See, it's not the job, right? And that's what I'm, I'm it's, it's difficult to get across. There are these layers of despondency mm-hmm. or discouragement that happen in the, in the jobby job of the church that sometimes, you know, and this does, this, it does it, it used to do it a lot more. Let me say this it used to do it a lot more than it does now, but I would just be like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. Like, but I don't know where to go. Like, where would I send my resume? Yeah. Well, here's, here's the <laughs> thing too. Though. Yeah. You don't have marketable skills. Damn no, it. No, you do. Stop it. Um, I, I've, okay. So there's a part and I, this is, I am not trying to blame preached at all. Okay. So this mm-hmm. is not a repeat of the clerically speaking episode or any of that stuff. So that's not what is going on here. The weird thing about a job at a church, especially at a parish or at anything that involves the magisterium, is the dynamics of the between the priest impacts you. And there is nothing you can do about it. Yeah. I shouldn't let me back up a bit. There's very, very um little you can do about it. Because at the end of the day, it's one big family-run organization, mm-hmm. and he's running the show because he's the weird nephew, and it's his turn to run to like I'm run the show, and you're not, and there is nothing you can do about that. That is the thing that I think makes church work the most unique is that dynamic. Actually, there's some real positive things about that too, because like when it's good, it is wonderful. Yes, and it's and not I've without it its challenges, and it's been yeah. there so much for me lately. It really has. Like mm-hmm. I really don't have yeah. a lot to complain about. I think a lot of people feel hung out to dry by the church, by people in the church. I think people there's a lot of animosity and rage, and mm-hmm. I am I'm wondering. Like, obviously, from the people that I go to church with who have secular jobs, careers, they're dealing with a lot of the backlash, too. And they're dealing with the fact that political wars now are always religious wars. Yeah. Yep. But I literally work for my religion. Right. So it's always a religious war, no matter what you're talking about. So I just, I just, I'm not expressing it correctly because it sounds like I'm nitpicking on something at my church in particular. And I'm not. It's this general malaise. And it's bothering me to the point 
where today I was like, I honestly don't know what I would do. Like, I don't know where I would go from here. And that scares me because then it makes me feel like, well, Gormley, you're a church worker. You're going to have to be a church worker. You're going to have to feel this way for the rest of your life because as Luke reminded you, you're only halfway through your career. And it's probably not going to get better. You know, not it's, even, it's really. not going to get better. 2001 with, I mean, think about all the anti-Clinton stuff, the big divide between left and right, you know, like all this stuff. And then you have big government Republican W and the hatred for him was like the hatred for Clinton from the other side. And then Obama and then mm-hmm. uh, Trump, of course, and then Biden. Like it's, it's just building like I, it's exponentially increasing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's exhausting. I feel at peace in a large. Yeah, I feel at peace in large part because I avoid the typical news media. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to listen to them. I don't think any of them are telling the truth. I think they're first. They're telling their corporate interests, and then they're telling their ideological interests. And I have uh, no time to play those games. But uh, so I think this malaise and the stuff that I've you know we've personally been through as a family and all this wider stuff. I'm just like, yeah, I don't feel. Uh, Matt Fred made that comment about feeling homeless sometimes in the church, and uh, there's that there's that element kind of that I'm going through right now. I do feel, mm-hmm. especially since Traditiones Custodes or whatever that document was called, I feel very. Uh, I just feel uneasy, even though it didn't affect me. I feel incredibly uneasy in the church. Are you talking about the, the like modus thing, or whatever yeah. that the Pope yeah. did for the rat rats? Yeah, yeah, that was that was so like. Well, see, but the problem like was we didn't we didn't air that anything episode. about it. No, no, no. The flip out, out came the following week. So because we did the ah, reaction, and so that's what I was saying. A lot of people who were like really pissed off at you didn't have the balance of you saying, "Well, this was horrible." Like, and and then the following week, I tried to correct that by telling people like. No, Luke isn't saying he's anti-Latin mass. He's just trying to say that, really do, some people think like it's a magical talisman that if you just say, you know, the Ave Maria instead of the Hail Mary, magically, you know, the culture will fix itself or whatever. It does seem that way. And so, um, meanwhile, we've had all these problems in the church for time immemorial. But that showed to me what I've always, what I've felt, which is like, you never get the hammer from the bishops it feels like there's no hammer from the bishops or the papacy except on like the overly Catholic people rather than the sellout, like the overly conservative rather than the overly liberal, like, you know, Pope Mm -hmm. Francis Mm -hmm. had father James Martin talk at a world family meeting, you know, and like all this stuff. And you're like, wait, what? We had him on the show <laughs> before I knew any of that stuff. <laughs> I know. Gosh, I think the nicest the- guy. <laughs> he was great on the show. The show was good. The show was fun. I liked the show. Yeah. But I, I, I remember when, when you started like saying like certain things, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just thought you were a provocateur on Twitter. I didn't realize. Oh, God. Uh, so I don't know. It, it's just a lot of things. And it just it, the point of today is I I don't feel okay anymore at, in, at church i don't feel okay like i feel like there's i don't know if it's something missing or like you know that feeling like you're watching the movie deep impact right you remember those like like end of the world movies as you do as you do the flood is coming like that that notion of like the tsunami wave that i cannot run from is coming and it's not just a church thing it's a culture thing right like it's all this stuff and i feel this this like oh it's right around the bend it's coming to crash but i can't do anything how do you what are you am i gonna punch a tidal wave you can't do anything to stop it so and then i'm like well where can i turn to stop feeling this way because i feel like i'm caught up in every culture war and it's like Mm -hmm. I i don't think that's how you're supposed to live life maybe it is may we live in interesting times you know but i'm like i'm so sick and tired of this i just want to like maybe just work at a gas station but then i can't provide for my family and if I start over at ground zero, because like, hey, so what's your degree in? Philosophy and theology, theology and Christian ministry. Yeah, you're 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 past that point. Oh, it matters that you have you've got you've got a master. You know, right, fair enough, fair enough. But that. but like, where's my skill set going to transfer to? Well, I, I think you bring up a couple of interesting points. Um, one, 
because I, I want to get to that. Where does the skill set? Tra- uh, where does it transfer to? Um, there's a couple things that I, I want to get at. One is I do think the polarization of this stuff when you're in it every day is is exhausting. Yeah, uh, it's why I left Twitter. It's one reason why I we're like we're always trying to make the pod the podcast better. You know, it's something that we've that, we, that we've agreed that we want to keep doing. It's just try to try keep trying to make it better. Always be striving, you know, um, to try to make it as good of a show as it can be. Um, but one thing I think you and I have both kind of subconsciously have just have have decided to do is we are not engaging in culture wars for the most part. And I I, I don't mean that term. I, I mean it in the, in the sense of like, I mean, sure, I called all rat rat. I'm Nazis. But what I mean is, I didn't really do that, uh, is we're not going after Taylor Marshall. We're not trying to argue. We're not trying to like, we're not the show that's like, and then the Pope said this. Right. Like, we're just, I cannot live in that headspace. I cannot yeah. live there. I will go and I think you and I would both just like hate each other in life and, you know, become a miserable of human beings. But we'd be successful. <laughs> we, oh, <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> it feels like it. Yep. Um, and uh, and because rage, like rage is like currency now. You know how much rage you have and how much rage you can provide to others. Like, you know how it used to be like if you want to get rich, uh, you have to make other people rich. Yeah. Like now it feels almost like if you want to get rich, you have to just feed other people more rage and you'll get rich when it comes to the content. In the church, that's – it's so easy to get caught up in that because everyone – like I, I see it at Catholic schools. I, I, I see it like a lot of different um, – a lot of um, different places. One of the things I loved about working with oh, with Glenn Mary was you meet with donors who are all over the place. They can have two different meetings in the same day and they – with people who would have very different um, views and you would be shocked that they're talking about their support for the same organization. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of things that like, I love about it because it's like they're doing something because it's just like polar opposites. So that when it becomes too much and it starts to kill you, like where do you – because there is a point in time where I think – and this, this perhaps like are you called to be in the church right now mm. with all this stuff going on? Because that takes a certain – like that's not a suffering. I don't know if we're – like – Right, I, I I would discern that because that is like, hey, I don't know if I can do this. You know, like this might not actually be good for my soul. <laughs> you know, like that's there's a, I don't know. I don't think God wants us to um, suffer in the sense of like we're all called up to suffer, especially if we work within the church. But like, not um suffer to the point where it's like, well, you know, like. Lord, I like I was able to um, suffer for you, and now I'm just a bitter. Porn addicted monster. I'm not saying that's what you are or what you're becoming, but you know what I mean. Um, Two out of three ain't bad. (laughs) So then, bitter porn addicted monster. Yeah, we're not called um, to suffer to the point where, like, we lose ourselves. Yeah, there was a great, a great line from, or not a great line, but great advice from one of my, um, from Bob Rice when helping youth ministers discern whether or not it was time to move on from a parish and. One of the big things he's like, you know, come on, like, are you doing the Lord's work or are you just the pastor or the DRE or whoever it is? Are you just, are they just abusing you? And you're like, yeah, no, they're, mm. it's abuse. Like, I don't feel that way at all about my, at my parish. I feel like the whipping boy for the Cardinal, but that's different. I don't think the Cardinal's abusing me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he, he, he's not intending for any of that to happen. It's just that people are frustrated with his decisions and they don't know him. They know they have access to me. Yeah. You know, and it just gets old. It just gets super old along with all the other stuff. My, um, again, so, um, can, I, yeah. can, I, that, can I just add like one quick thing here? And this, do. So like, I, I do think you need to like discern, like, are, are you, the culture are you the person to really match like the culture right right now not not, not the culture but like the temperature gauge and like are you what the church like that's why i left because i felt like i wasn't what the adult office was going to need that i had done my part and that my skill set was in that like the gifts that i had they had been served and they had been um, used and it was just time mm. so i think that's what i mean it's like are your gifts that you have do they match are they the gifts that people need? Or are you just I'm giving them a thing that actually is there like another thing that like is there like a person who's better suited for what you do with like a different um set of with a different um set of um 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 gifts and um talents? And then 
I want to pivot now to that whole like where does you go from here if that were to be the case but i know you if like you had you had one more thing you wanted to say so mm. no i'm good let's go on let's go on all right so then like where do you go i think this is a really interesting thing um because you're right it's super hard to translate those skills if you really can at all so most people become a consultant and they move into some type of a, some type of a real estate all good things you can make a lot of money selling um houses and, and stuff i do think you can have like i think you have like a knack for being able to do some type like a some type like a sales thing that's gonna but you're not just gonna jump into a job where like you make what you make right now if you count the parish and this and the speaking stuff yeah so like you're not like you're gonna be hard pressed to find a job that's going to allow you to travel as much as you do for outside outside right. outside stuff like like you've seen how hard it is for me now yeah. and I'm still working for the church in some capacity I mean it's night and day yeah um so keep that in mind and then also like you kind of can find it's 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 going to take some time it'll take it'll take a um, couple of a couple of years so you're going to want to start to find like what are the things that i mean this is advice you might not really even need but i do think this is kind of interesting like you got to find um, something else to get really 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 good at and it'll probably be relatively easy for you because you've got like really good um you have the skill set basically if you're on a sports team this is going to be kind of like a weird analogy, but this happens a lot with sports as people get as people get older. DeMarcus Beasley, I'm sure you've heard of him, right? Nope. So he was actually in four World Cups, 2002, 2006, 2010, 2014. He is our age. Phenomenal athlete. I believe he played in the midfield and on the wings, relatively higher up the field. He ends his career by playing like right back, like back line on the right, playing playing on defense pretty much. He had to, if he wanted to keep playing, he had to like chain, you know, change positions which meant he had to take a skill set he that he had which was to like a more like you know doing stuff on the ball he could kick he could r- run but he had to do it in a in a in a, in a different con- context and that allowed him to have the career that he had at the level that 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 he had it and that's what you're gonna have to do you're not gonna find it like a like i'm a like a like real i'm a like for like type type of a thing you're gonna have to find a way to take what you do and do it in a different context and then get really good at that and you're gonna have to be which means you're gonna have to be okay with not being the top person at what you are doing for for a bit which might even mean a lower a lower um, income for a period of time but your ascent if you work at it will be rather quickly will be uh, will be uh, um, will be i'm um, rather quick i'm sorry i thought you were about to say will be unprecedented i'm done unprecedented like i've almost doubled i've pretty much doubled my income from when i started at the church when i, when I started to, not completely not not and that's with i'm catching foxes like i've pretty much almost i'm, I'm doubled what i what what i was making there gotcha and i think part of it was i switched careers like like what i was doing yeah um and that accelerated that pretty fast now now then also doing i'm catching foxes like that helped you know and that certainly can that and that continues to help thanks to patreon.com slash cf where you can be a part of our discord see posts that i write and then i erase because i feel like it reveals too much but it was really good post random pictures of gormley's family all right let's end this topic let's end this topic and let's switch to our next topic luke what do you want to talk about Oh, um, well, I had a great post and then I was called the rise and fall of I'm catching foxes. And I was like, oh, never mind. So I'll share that with you later. Um, do you want to talk about Ascendant Ascends? I love this book. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's just have this conversation. All right. So I finished my wonderful Eisenhower biography. Yes. Wonderful biography. And I'm like, okay. And what was the I'm name reading, of the biography? Eisenhower, Eisenhower in time of war and peace. And war and peace. Yeah. I said numerous times. I know. People I know. Like, everyone has <laughs> asked. So. Like, you never mentioned it, Luke. What? I'm sorry. Um, no, I'm saying, that's not what you guys I'm sound like. It's just we've had enough people Dude. say that to where I'm like, did I not say it? I could have sworn I did. Um, okay. So 
I'm reading the Iliad next, but I saw a lot of grad school stuff. The only time I really have to like read books that's not for grad school is in my car. And so I wanted to read that book. So I was waiting till um, I'm on break to, to uh, when I'm, I'm on vacation for the holidays to start that. So I got a book. I wanted to read like a good fantasy thing. I'm so bitter about I'm Game of Thrones. So I'm like, let me just find something. And I found this thing called the Tower of Babel. It's like a series. And I said, great. First book, rave reviews. Someone called it one of the best books he's ever written in. He's ever um, he's ever read in his entire life. And I was like, oh wow, okay, cool. So I get it. I like it. I'm not enthralled with it, but I love like so there's something about the writing that's very good. It's just it's kind of it's not light I'm reading, but it feels light, and it's just enjoyable. Like like the way I could, I just like how this guy writes. I love how he writes. Yeah, yeah, and I'm. Enjoying it. I'm again. I'm not enthralled with it, but there's enough to where I'm like, oh, I like this. This is really cool. Like, I'm. I'm. There are certain parts I was way more invested in than yeah. others, but I'm liking it. And then it gets to the end, and I'm like, wait, there's eight minutes left. How's? I, should, should we? I mean, I don't want to avoid spoil. I don't want to spoil anything, so let's not. But I don't think it's that big of a deal if we were. To, to, like so, like the so the the main guy is around our age or so. He gets married, takes his wife to the biggest thing in their land called the Tower of Babel. It's kind of like a steampunk thing, you know. Yeah. So, so it, people, go ahead. Don't be like I was so confused when I started reading this. So imagine the story of the Tower of Babel happening in like 1930s England. But oh, England is the land of Ur, right? Ur of the Chaldees, like where the Tower of Babel is built. I was, I'm thinking more like 18, like kind of coming out of Victorian England, but not quite, not yes, quite the yes, First World yes. War. So it's, it's, yeah, I, I would go with that. Um, they talk about there's a lot of there's there's a, they take a train to the Tower of Babylon, Tower of Babel. Um, but the, everything's er, – but the best part is you have to get it with the narrator. I didn't get the narrator with the music. I don't know if you did that. Um, but they have two options. You could get the narrator or the narrator with music. And I was like, no. And they can screw that up really easily. Um, What's the with a music? Yeah. Th- so they literally have mean? a secondary uh, – the same audio book, but they add a musical score under the whole thing. And I thought, oh, that could oh, be cool. And then I thought, but that could also be really annoying if you're constantly yeah. hearing music the whole time. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So, um, so I get the thing, and the the I believe I might be wrong in this, but his voice is either the same guy or the narrator is just sounds like a guy who's read some of the C.S. Lewis books, some of the Chronicles of Narnia. So I my brain kept switching back to like, oh, this kind of feels like the space trilogy. I really liked it. And then when I told Luke I just started the book, Luke tells me, I effing hate this book. I'm furious at the ending, blah, blah, blah. He was so mad. And so so part of the joy of reading this book is to just get to the end to see what ticked Luke off. Did a main character die that Luke loved? Did it, did a guy wake up and say, Oh, it's all a dream? Of course, this is. And so I (laughs) added this whole thing, but I'm listening to this and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What is the Tower of Babel? It's the literal biblical Tower of Babel as if it happened in, like Luke said, like end of Victorian era England. And everything is steampunk fantasy. So there's airships. There's clockworks. Mm-hmm. You know, people with moving arms that n- never actually happened. But uh, And it takes place at, in the land of Ur at the Tower of Babel. So he's like a schoolmaster of some sleepy fishing village town. And he's a boring guy, and he marries this vivacious young woman who used to be his former student, and he wants to treat her with a subject that he has taught for years, which is to actually go to the Tower of Babel. And they're going to plan a two-week vacation, and they're there not even five minutes, and he loses her. And so it's the story of this man realizing he has to radically change in order to deal with the tower, because it is not the beacon of righteousness and rationality. That, that he thinks it is, yeah. yeah that he think that he's that he's taught for years that it is. It is a den of thieves, and he is getting his ass kicked by it. 
And so, you know, he goes from getting robbed, he meets all these people and all this stuff. The plot is very intricate. It's a lot of fun. I think the author does an excellent job keeping everything moving, and you feel like you are moving into the tower, up the tower, through the baths. Yes. You know, yep. he Agreed. does a great Agreed. job. And you're always guessing. You're like, what is happening next? What is happening next? Is that real? Is this fake? Is this all a dream? It's all false. It's all right. Um, and so you go through it, and it's so great. It's really well told. It's really well written. But uh, when I got to the end, I was like, this ending is perfect. And then I remember that Luke hated it. And I totally forgot that. For the, I loved the ending. But the ending sets up for the sequel. Right? So I think this is what happened. <laughs> I read. I liked the realization he was having about his wife. throughout the, okay, Just like massive spoilers. I mean, yeah. Whatever. Who cares? It's. I was in, I was enjoying the change that I was seeing, and I was you yeah. could see him falling more deeply in love with his wife yes. through this experience, which Fighting was really for cool. Her, realizing yeah. what a gift she was to him, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Because this, you know, it's like this is a guy who's pretty much not even a big fish in a small pond. He's like he's like a medium size he's a medium size um fish in a in a, in a small pond who's seeing he's just kind of taking it um all for granted, yeah. That he's just uncomfortable enough to not ever, you know, to like, you know, he never bothered to find out at the stuff he was. I'm, I'm teaching or that from the unpopular books that he was. I'm, I'm reading about the, about the tower if it was true or not. Yeah, I was enjoying that, and I'm like, okay, he's done it. Yeah, <laughs> like like he's and now and he finds his wife. Like this is what should should happen, right? Yeah. And and hindsight, it's it's like I'm like they they clearly drop hints at like where she is and what she's become, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, it was pretty, and I, so when I saw this, when I saw that there were, uh, so there were four books, this one came out in 20 of 17, I believe. And the last one, like just, just released like maybe three weeks ago. Mm, Okay. So it wraps up the whole, the whole thing. And apparently it's not bad. Um, I guess the third, some people say the third and the second book are the best, but the fourth one is still getting like a lot of people really seem to, they're just kind of unpacking it still. I did a, a Reddit uh, search to try to find this book, and I think what happened was I also read a description for another book that I thought was the second book to this book, and I thought it that the, the second book took place long after the first book. So while this is all happening, I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, like, what is happening? Like, is it just like, and I just at the, I was just expecting much more of an end. I, the ending that I was expecting, I thought it was going to have way more of an umph to it than it did. If I had known this was the first of four books, he's not going to find his wife till the fourth book. Or till like you know like a different book, um, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah yeah a different book yeah yeah I don't I don't know which book it actually is like I may have had a different attitude going into it but I I just wasn't and I was like wait what is this just what like it just it just made me so mad and now I've I have, like no desire to go back to it <laughs> and I'm the opposite it is very difficult for me not to want. To just plow through. It's so well written. Okay, so the guy's name is, it is. It is. Josiah Bancroft. I'm gonna put the link in the show notes for Senlin Ascends. It's it, it is awesome. And I'm not a steampunk kind of guy. And I was like, is this like a steampunk thing? And it, it, when you hear of airships, you yes, it is absolutely. You're you're practically in the yeah. middle of Will Smith's Wild Wild West and Clockworks and all that stuff. But I loved how this is the great thing about the book. How there were a couple lines, like if this was really written by C.S. Lewis, there'd be more of these kind of things. But like, there will be parts of his life where he is forced to do something that he's never done before in order to find his wife. And it says he's never had he's never had to do this before in his sleepy town. No one ever challenged him in this way, you know. So he has to constantly fight against basically like the false sense of security that he had back in his old life and he has to do all of these things like he but the cool thing is everyone is telling him to become like the tower of babel you have to just double cross and triple cross everyone and he refuses he's the only one who believes that you can actually befriend people 
And just through commonality and mutuality, you can do something good in the world or in the yeah. tower. And he never totally, even even though he becomes harder and he begins to do things, physical violence or, you know, being standing up to people that you know could kill him or whatever, he begins to develop that side of him. So a smart man becomes clever, becomes cunning, you know, crafty, other words that start with a k sound. He does all of this stuff. And uh, it's just fascinating. I just loved I loved his character that he evolves, but all these other people he brings along the way. And the story of the Tower of Babel, are, it's so weird. Like, you don't know what's going on at any one time. There are things that yeah. stand out to you, and the things that stand out to you all mean the same thing. They all kind of come together. But it's it's just intense. It's just intense. The Oh, man, I almost said some stuff. But I loved it. I loved it. It, it just made me feel like... Like, if it were C.S. Lewis, it would be a lot shorter, and there would be a lot more stuff that would stay with you rather than the kinetic movement of the plot and whatnot. But I really did. I really did enjoy it. Hmm. And and I, um, I, I've um heard that in the, the second book. It's not because it's, it's all told through his point of view. Yeah. Um, and I've heard that in the second book, it's multiple characters. And that's pretty much oh. how it is for the rest of the series. Oh, okay. I would like to get it from her, his wife's point of view. You get a little bit, but not enough. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it a bit that we that you can just like edit out or? No, no, no. I'm good. Are, are I'm good, good with what no. we talked about. Okay. I just, okay. I liked how it ended, even though I understand why you didn't like how it ended. It's just so angry. <laughs> angry. I was so, dude, I'm not kidding. I was so mad because <laughs> I was just like, wait, how is this? Go-? I just wanted him to find. I'm like, he's done it. Yeah. He's like, let him find his wife. And then it was like, nope. And I was like, wait a second. You son of a bitch. I just love the idea of like the entrance to the tower just to walk through the outer wall is half a mile. And you're like, ah, okay. I like this. And you don't know how tall the tower is. Some people say it's 80 stories. Some people say it's 60. And there's all this mystery in it. And But the people at the mm-hmm. top are literally the people at the top of the world, you know, like the height and all that stuff. You reading anything else? You going through anything else? No. No, I'm doing Exodus um on 90 for Advent. So, oh cool. Uh, I'm not listening to really any audiobooks and I've um people have been sick here, so I've Yeah. That's been my life. And I have and I've j- I just finished up school last week, so I haven't really had a chance to do much of anything if I'm being honest with you. So, um no. Uh, but I the next thing I'll be diving into will be um the Iliad. So nice. I'm, I'm excited to do that. Nice. I want you to give me your play by play because I it's they're just such good, such good books. I mean, the whole I, it just I love it again. I love it so much. Um, now, I have been super on the reading bandwagon um, lately. Oh, shit. I actually just saw a Christmas present. My wife got me. Damn it. Oh no! Uh, How did you do that? I'm on Amazon. I wanted to look at the picture. It's that a, it's your fault for not paying attention to Luki. I know, I know. But um, no, I have been reading some great books. Number one, Joy to the World by Scott Hahn is it's a short book. It is awesome. It is such a good book. I recommend everyone before Christmas get that book. It like it's just so great. The subtitles: How Christ Coming Changed Everything and Still Does. It just goes through the major characters, like the angels, the wise men, the shepherds, like all these different things, the history, the prophecy. I loved it. It was so good. And then I got, yeah, loved it. Loved it. And then I got another book, um, the book of Joe, which is the fifth book in the Forgotten Ruin, where the U.S. Army Rangers meets Lord of the Rings slash Dungeons oh, and Dragons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Book of Joe came out, and uh, I really wanted to read Sendlin' the Sends, but you can do this feature on your iPhone for accessibility where you swipe down with two fingers and it'll read you the screen. So I just put it on the Kindle app and have it read me the screen. <laughs> and so now I make my own audiobooks with Siri's voice. And uh, I listen. Oh my gosh, what a great book! What a great book. I am I am neck deep in sci-fi right now, so it's been nice. it's been pretty awesome. One of my other favorite book series, Expeditionary Force, they just released a book, um, and that's the one I always get on Audible. Even if I can get the regular book, I always also get on Audible because the narrator is R.C. Bray. 
He's the greatest narrator who has ever lived. He is also hysterical. And Craig Allenson, who writes the Expeditionary Force books, he's really funny as an author. Mm -hmm. And so it's like it's a science fiction. It's a hard science fiction, hard military fiction. Well, it's not that military-ish, but um, it's constantly filled with comedy. To the And it got so popular that they actually made a radio show out of it. They had one one book that was written straight for radio, and it's about nuking Dayton, Dayton, Ohio. It's the best oh, ever. No. Yeah. Well, you Wait, shouldn't what, have that Air Force base there. What's it called again? Well, the series is Expeditionary Force. Oh, that's right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So they had a they had, you know the guy that played uh, who was the villain in season one of Heroes was it Siler Skyler Siler. Oh yeah. Oh the yeah. That he was guy. a great actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's one of the voice actors. Like they got real people to. Yeah. Because they tried to make him like a good guy, and it was like no. Yeah, no, no, like he, season four, he, he murdered a lot of people. See, see, okay, let's talk about that real quick. It, I, I haven't seen Heroes since it first came out, and I own the DVDs or the whatever. But season one was an incredible show because yeah. you had these people who were manifesting. Usually it was one superpower, and they had no idea why, and it was all connected to a crack addict artist who could see the future and this bizarre man in the horned rim glasses that everyone was afraid of and this pure monster horror show who was ripping people's brains out and and ripping these heroes brains out and and you had no idea what to do with this guy so Siler is the evil villain who knows where the superhero part of your brain is it's actually a really stupid idea but he r- kills you in order to steal your power so that he can grow in power but then there was the hero, uh, you know, what's his name? Um, Sylvester Stallone's son. Um, Wait, that boy. was his son? No, I don't know who it really is, but I always... Who was that? You know, the guy from Heroes? What, they, I, I, I don't remember that? a lot of them. I've got to bring up his name. Milo, yeah, he played Peter Petrelli. Milo Ventimiglia. He plays uh, Rocky Balboa's son in one of the Rocky movies. That's okay. 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 Yeah. 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 I like him a lot. He's a great, he was great in the movie, but in the show, he is, um, he's like the Christ figure because he's a good man. He believes in the best of people. He's constantly trying to push people to the good. And Siler is like the Antichrist. So when Peter's character is near other heroes, he can take on their power. Without hurting them, but Siler mm-hmm. has to murder them in order to take on. And so it was this constant like, and it just played itself out so perfectly. I loved it. And then there was a the stripper who could rip people in half. <laughs> I this is when it lost me. Do you remember the Indian guy? Yeah, Mohinder. Yeah, they killed him or something. Yeah, I remember being like, no. Uh, wait, no. Did they kill him? I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember. It's been so long since I've seen it. I I think it was. I think it was. Um, no, okay. I'm I'm sorry. The heroin addict who like could paint the future. Yeah. Of what was going to happen? He could only do it while he was high. Yeah. And they killed him. That made me mad. Yeah, that's when Mo they Hinder. did that. Yeah, that's Mo Hinder. Is that him? Yeah. Oh, okay. When they did that, I remember just being like, no, 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 like. Like, this is interesting. Yeah, don't like, kill the one good, super interesting yeah. character. Like, don't, like, no, no, no. Oh, okay. I see where you're going. But now. it was and good. It, it was good that he died. Well, I, um. It's a world with consequences. Yeah, but, like, I guess, I think it probably would have just been best if it was, like, one season. Like, yeah. now, I think Heroes would have been a really great HBO thing where they have, like, four or five episodes. Yeah. That would have made sense in that context. Save the cheerleader. Save the world. Yeah, it was so that and that was so interesting. And her dad's like hunting heroes, but he's also kind of a good guy. But he thinks he's really bad. Yeah, and, yeah, that's what was so um, good about it. But then the it, uh, season two was okay. Then they jumped the shark, and then it was like all over the place. And you're like, you just literally took this amazing storyline and screwed it all up. Nah, whatever. But, but I don't. I just. I. I think it's one of those things where it just. It didn't need to be longer than it was. Like I. Yeah. I. I'm, I am obsessed. 
not obsessed. That sounds weird. <laughs> but I love the fact that we now we're starting to get more TV shows because you're getting bigger actors and, and stuff yeah. that are just five episodes, maybe one or two seasons, and that's it. I, I mean, listen, I would kill all of you. I'm not kidding. Murder for another season of Mindhunter. Never saw it. Oh my gosh, it's so I just love my, Is that that FBI serial killer yeah. chaser thing? Yes. I think me yes. and Shannon watched the first episode and it's like a hostage situation and he blows uh-huh. the guy's head off right in the beginning uh-huh. and I just go, "Yeah, I don't think I'm going to watch this." So we did. Yeah. I like understand one of my favorite films is uh, Silence of of um of the Lambs. So mm. I just love I I have never watched a serial killer film that I haven't somewhat liked. And uh, I just love it so much. But I under like there's probably won't be a third season because just to get everyone back and all of the money. And it's the second season kind of dragged, but it it's telling an interesting story and it's getting to the good stuff. Like it's getting to the like BK killer or the BTK uh, killer. So it's like they've been building to it throughout the whole show. And I'm like, no, no. Um <clears throat> but that all being said, I I just much prefer these little like Banner Brothers one season, mm. ten episodes. Yeah, that's all I need. Longer that's than all a I movie. Need. Sure. Like I wish um, the Scorsese thing was more of a show than a movie. The Irishman. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. You are beyond wrong. Come on, um, forty four forty five no. minute shows. Oh, that'd be beautiful. No, no, because it, it just you have to because the thing about a show that I like is um, the tone is different from episode to episode. So if you watch Band Band of Brothers, you get a variety of point of views. I'm not saying that I want that in every show, but you get a variety of style of types of shows. You get the you have the build up show. You've got the battle show. You've got the heartache. You know, you've got all these different types of shows. Um, the Irishman is like it's one tone throughout the whole film. And I love that tone. And I, I just, I think it becomes a little bit repetitive. It it needs to be one. And I'm not saying he's watching in like one sitting, but it needs to be one experience. Yeah. Point for Luke. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, I agree with you. Like the one sitting thing, like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Luke, we got to wrap it up. We are going to have one more show for the year of 2021. We're done. And then we are off for Ooh, the next look two at weeks. That. Man, cannot wait to not have to talk to you. I know. Gosh. Every day with you, Luke. <laughs> it's like, come oh, on. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we get, <laughs> love Adams. I forgot to get back to him in our like, WhatsApp group. But it's all like, look at poor Luke having to live a life for like others for a couple days. Super rough. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, pray for me. <laughs> I got to deal with other people. Man, doing a parish mission and coming home, so it's it's an hour away, and so I, it's just one highway. Right when I get to forty five, it's like straight up. I get home, boom, done. But I'm walking in the door at like ten, ten, yeah. ten fifteen, and I'm super pumped because I just did a parish mission. Like I'm jazzed. Like I every every time I do a parish mission, I'm always like, I really need to tell people from seven to nine and not seven to eight because I got a whole lot of shit I want to keep talking about, <laughs> and I can't. Like I literally the second talk, I look over at the priest and he's walking back to the booth, the sound booth. And I'm like, why is he walking back there? And I look at my watch, and I'd already gone 12 minutes over. And I rarely do that now. But I was like, oh, crap, I'm in trouble. <laughs> like, that's all I thought. I went way over, way, way, way over. So, um, But I'm super jazzed. I'm super pumped. So I get my car. I drive home. And then I walk in, and Shannon stays up, waits for me. And then, uh, then she goes to bed. And I'm like, this is great. It's like 9 o'clock. No, no, no. It's already 11. But I don't mm-hmm. feel like it's 11, so I, like, turn off the TV and scoot upstairs to bed, and I'm like, man, I am tired. It is 1 <laughs> o'clock in the morning or 1230. Like, I don't stay up that late Yeah, for anyone, for any reason yeah. whatsoever. Uh, so it's been it's been a weird – it's been weird also because I have 14 vacation days, and I'm trying to take them. you. So it's like I'm essentially I'm essentially off. So I have gotten almost everyone who works for me, I have gotten them to use all of their personal days, 
almost all of their sick days. And by the end of the year, they'll use all their vacation days because I found out that no, like Americans never do this. What? What? That's only been talked about endlessly. I I know. And so I'm hammering it home. So as soon as September started and we had all of our craziness with like Mm -hmm. registrations, I'm like, okay. You guys have been working 60 hours. You can take, you know, it's, it's take Monday off. Like, don't, don't come in. That's your like comp time. Like you've been working insane hours. Don't worry about coming in. But like, seriously, remember that a sick day can be used when you're doing medical care for your kids. So when you're taking them to the doctor, the dentist, if you don't want to be responsible for email, take a half day, take a whole day. And they looked at me like they had never heard that before. And they're like, well, I can have my phone and I can email by my phone. I said, yeah, you can. But literally nothing in the world is going to matter for the next four hours. Just go take the sick day. And then you're telling the rest of the world, leave me the hell alone. I'm with my kid. And they're like, ah, yeah. So it's like our goal is to use every sick day without lying, every personal day, and every vacation day. That's the goal. So let's do the goal. And they great. are. It's awesome. I feel good. I feel good, good. about my I, life. Um, I think that's super great. I'm going to this thing called Santa's Wonderland tomorrow for like apparently seven hours. I didn't realize it was that long. I thought it was like two. Ooh, seven. Seven hours. What are you going to do at Santa's Wonderland for seven hours? Uh, Well, I just found out today that there's beer there. So oh, I know well, what okay. I'll be Whatever. doing. Yeah. I don't know what my kids will be doing. Yeah, who, who cares about what they're going to be doing? I do. Yeah, so it's one of those places <laughs> that has yeah, it's one of those places that has like a hundred thousand Christmas lights and you know, oh, all those that places stuff. are awesome. Yes, That'll be agreed. fun. Yeah, you guys got any Christmas plans? Anything big? Uh, my mom's coming here. Very excited. Um, nice. Emily and my niece will be here for like three, four days for going up to Cleveland. I won't be able to see Brian, which is a bummer, but. And then, uh, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, Christina, um, she completed her bachelor's, so way to go, Christina. Super, Yay! super proud of her. Yeah. Uh, very excited about that. So we're going to go I'll celebrate that. And I'm just, we're hanging out with her and um, her boyfriend and their kid. And I'm really excited. So, um, hi, Charlie, if you, if you are listening, Uncle Luke is very excited t- to see you. Yay, Charlie. And uh, I, did I show you that one a picture of, like, her in, like, the bathtub from, like, a, a year ago? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. It's the funniest. So, basically, the poor girl, like, she had a super hard time when she was here. I want to say it was over the summer or something, like, earlier on. Uh, you know, because of um, COVID, she hasn't been around, like, a whole lot of other um, kids or anything. And it's just her. And so, she's just not used to, like, sharing stuff with kids and things like that. And so <laughs> she's all of a sudden like like with Jude and Everly who are like, you know, like three years, like two or th- two to three years younger than her and just don't know things. So she's trying to get them to like do um, certain things and they just have no clues. They're just doing their own thing. And she kept going, no, baby Jude, no, like that just over and over again. <laughs> and she couldn't understand why they weren't like doing what she wanted them to do, which is very much like her sister. <laughs> Sorry, like her mother. And um, <laughs> and I think just being away for a bit, being being stressed, but being away from home just finally gets to her. <laughs> so they're staying at Christina's. And we, get, we get this picture. And she was taking a bath with my cousin, with my cousin, with my nephew Jude. And Jude, like, peed in the toilet. And her face, she has this, like, um, look of, like, oh, my God, everything is falling apart. What is happening? <laughs> It's like if you could make 2020 a face, it's her face in that moment. That's so funny. she's about to have a mental breakdown. <laughs> she's four. It's yeah, it's really cute. So isn't it funny with kids? You just like enjoy their like pain and suffering. 